Welcome to Building Astropad. I'm Matt Runge, co-founder and CEO at Astropad, and I'll be taking you behind the scenes at our company where we build software and hardware products for creative people. So if you're a creator interested in starting a business or creating your next big project, join us and let's learn together. All right. Hi, everyone. It's Matt here, and I'm here with Savannah, who leads our marketing. Hey, everyone. Excited to talk about our Kickstarter today. Yeah. So we're, we're gearing up for a Kickstarter, and we're going to do a couple episodes talking about Kickstarter. And what we wanted to talk about today is growing your mailing list going into a Kickstarter and why it's important to have a really solid mailing list. So Savannah's got a lot to say on the topic, so we're going we're gonna to jump right in. She's in the midst of it right now growing a new mailing list. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But the first thing we should start with is why is it important to have a mailing list if you want to launch a Kickstarter? Yeah, this is a huge topic. Like you said, I could talk about it for hours probably because we're a couple months out from launching our second Kickstarter. And so this growing your mailing list is something that you can't wait to do at the last minute. Like this is something that you need to be working on for months or maybe even years ahead of your Kickstarter depending on, you know, what your timeline is like. But for us, you know, from our experience, growing our mailing list was all about creating momentum for our product launch. We launched our first hardware product, Luna Display, on Kickstarter in 2017 and we we had a great mailing list from our existing product going into that Kickstarter. And we really used those people on our mailing list to build momentum so that we could have a successful campaign. And why would you say momentum is so key with launching a Kickstarter? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, Kickstarter has this like social aspect to it where you don't want to back a project that no one else is backing. But if thousands of other people are backing a project and it's hugely successful, it kind of gives you this feeling like you're missing out if you don't back it. And so we decided to use our, our mailing list to kind of get the ball rolling with our Kickstarter where, you know, we, we emailed our mailing list first before we went to the press to announce our Kickstarter so that by the time people who weren't associated with our products or with our company already saw our Kickstarter, they already saw a Kickstarter that was on its way to being successful. So yeah, it's kind of like this, almost like a FOMO feeling with Kickstarter. Yeah, where it's like people people want to jump on board with something that looks successful already. And the best place that you can go, you know, to start that process is with people that you already are connected with through a mailing list. Yeah, because they're more likely to trust you. They might be an existing customer or they might be highly interested in what you're doing because they signed up as like a, a pre-announcement list. So they're much more likely to convert than somebody that, say, is going to come via a a press article. And yeah, there's totally, you see a Kickstarter project too, that it's like, wow, it's already, you know, 500% past its goal. It's like, wow, that must be something really great. I need to check it out, right? That that FOMO you're talking about, you really want to, so you want to rocket it out of the gate. And that's what we were able to do with our mailing list too. 
One thing though I noticed is you're talking about mailing email lists though. You're not talking about social media. You're not talking about YouTube channel subscribers. You're not talking about why email specifically versus other channels. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, with email, we you can kind of nurture those emails a little bit, like, you know, send them drip campaigns over time to get them familiar with your brand and to build trust over time so that by the time you're asking them to back your Kickstarter project, you know, they have some faith in you that you're going to fulfill your project. And you know, the thing about Kickstarter, there's a risk that people take when they back your Kickstarter because they're giving you their money in exchange for a product that might not be fulfilled immediately. Like for example, for our last Kickstarter, we ended up having to delay the Kickstarter by I think six months, like our fulfillment. Mm -hmm. But we stayed in really good touch with our backers and we had already built this kind of level of trust with them, you know, through our emails and marketing and everything. And so it wasn't that big of a deal when we ended up having to delay. So there's just a level of trust with email. It's like we, we've always used our mailing list in a way where we are only going to email them if we have something important to say. We don't send like junk emails. We sent, we email them about, you know, big feature releases or, you know, great quality content pieces. And yeah, I think, I think that email is just, yeah, it's a powerful way because you can really craft the message and like nurture those leads a little bit. Yeah. The other thing I'll say too about email is it's a direct relationship too with your customer or potential customer. Versus if you rely on platforms like social media or YouTube, you're subject to the whims of that platform. For example, you know, Twitter, you don't see all the tweets that you're that the people you follow put out. The platform is is helping to curate and show some of the tweets to you, hiding others based on how it thinks you're gonna engage. So you're subject to the algorithms and the recommendation systems running in YouTube or Facebook or, or, or Twitter. And we know all about being subject to the whims of, of a third-party platform. See our, see our first episode for more about that. So email is a direct, you can you know put your message direct to your customer. That yeah. you can't in, in a lot of a lot of other channels. Yeah, you control the message and you control what the call to action is. Like in Instagram, you know, there's all these extra hurdles. Like you have to go to the link in your profile and then go to the the web page. And email is just like you control what that call to action is and you can send them right to where you want them to go. So another interesting little tidbit to add on that with the link is now, to compare that, say, an email with, say, Twitter tweet is that tweets that have links in them don't get as many impressions as tweets without links. And the reason is because it has a link in it, it's going to take you off Twitter. And Twitter wants people to be engaged on their platform, right? So that's totally, if you're if you're selling an e-commerce product, you're selling Kickstarter, I mean, you need to include a link versus a, an email. You can include a link in there. You can craft the call to, call to action, like you're saying and not be penalized by a recommendation algorithm or other mechanism that's working behind behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's go back to our mailing list and kind of paint the picture of what it looked like leading up to our first Kickstarter. 
So what did our mailing list look like and what, how did things play out for us? Yeah. So in 2017, when we launched Luna on Kickstarter, our mailing list at the time was about 100,000 people. And those emails all came from our existing software products, Astropad Standard and Astropad Studio. I know that 100,000 emails sounds like a lot. And I don't want that number to scare anyone away because I truly believe that with Kickstarter, it's all about the quality of the emails over the quantity. So you can have a really successful Kickstarter campaign with just a couple thousand emails if those are all really high quality emails that are likely to convert and back your Kickstarter campaign. But we had 100,000 emails and you know we teased our Kickstarter campaign to them. We emailed them right away when we launched our campaign. And overall, we saw about 1.7% conversion rate from that email list. So 1.7% of people from our current products email list backed our Kickstarter campaign. And then looking at the entire makeup of our Kickstarter campaign, we saw about 27% of our backers came from our email list. So, you know, our initial crowdfunding goal was $30,000. And we ended up raising almost $650,000 on Kickstarter. So we didn't expect it to go that well. We had no idea how many of our existing customers would be interested in our hardware product. But now going into our second Kickstarter, we know that our email list is the most powerful thing that we can do to prepare for another successful Kickstarter. So yeah, going into our next one, we are, we're looking at other ways to grow that email list. And yeah. Well, that begs the question. So if we have this giant email list, I mean, it really is, is a big email list at this point. Why do we need to go about building a new email list? for our next Kickstarter? Yes, good question. Well, for us, the whole reason with building a new list now is because we're launching a product for a different platform. So originally, we we launched Luna Display for Mac, for Mac users. And our existing products, Astropad, they were compatible with Mac, only compatible with Mac at the time. So we knew that all of our existing email subscribers were already on the Mac platform. But this time around, we're launching Luna Display for Windows. And so that is a whole new group of people. Windows users, to my understanding, are pretty different from Mac users, right? Yeah, that's right. And we We've really, as you said, we've really been in the Apple community for a long time. So most of our most of our subscribers are just not going to be that excited about our email subscribers are not going to be that excited about a new product that works with Windows computers. Because yes, there's going to be some people on our list that also use Windows, but there's not going to be a ton of them. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that some people from our mailing list now will back our Kickstarter, like they've you know moved from the Mac platform over to Windows. But for the most part, it kind of feels like we're starting from scratch a little bit with the growing a Windows mailing list. Yeah, it's also, you know, we have our work cut out for us too to really 
learn about and understand what the Windows world is like because, like you said, Matt, we've been working in this Mac environment, like the Apple environment, for so long, but the Windows customers are really different. And so another benefit from growing a Windows mailing list is that we get to learn about Windows customers and how they like to work, where they read their news, all sorts of things, what sort of devices they have. So it's twofold. Like we get to, you know, with this new Windows mailing list, we'll get to promote our Kickstarter to them, but we also get to use them for market research. So yeah, it's a big task, but it's really, really important. Like I said, like the most important thing for getting ready to launch our Kickstarter campaign. So going into this next Kickstarter that we're launching this fall, you know, we have our existing mailing lists now, which are about 250,000. So they've grown a little bit since our last Kickstarter, which is really awesome. But Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to get at least 30,000 emails, new emails that are strictly Windows focused. That's the goal that I've set for myself is I you know, will rely on our, our existing mailing list, but I'm looking for 30,000 Windows users that are super excited about our product launching on the Windows platform. So, so yeah, that's, that's what we're setting out to do. Yeah. And, and our existing list will be good too, to drive awareness, drive word of mouth too, because people still be interested in what, what we'll be doing tell their friends about it, but not necessarily want to purchase it themselves versus that 30,000 you're talking about. You really want people that are excited about getting into our Kickstarter for Lunar Display for Windows right away. You know, there's really not like a magic number for how many emails you need to have for your mailing list ahead of a Kickstarter. I know Like I've heard, I've been in like webinars and things people are saying online about how many emails you need to have. There's really no magic number. I think it really all comes down to how high quality those emails are and how likely they are to convert and back your project. So like I said, it's, I mean, you can just have a few thousand if those people are all super excited but I don't think you should be scared away by hearing big numbers like 100,000 or 250,000. It's going to be different for everyone based on you know the cost of your product and what your company requires to raise on Kickstarter to get your project off the ground. Yeah, definitely. And 30,000 is still a lot of emails. So what's your strategy going into this? How are you looking to grow that list? Yes. Great question. This is the part where like, this is what I've been living and breathing lately because yeah, we don't have all the answers here. We're taking a very experimental approach to this where, you know, we have all of these ideas for how to grow a mailing list, but we don't know what's actually going to work. And not only that, we don't know what the cost is going to look like to acquire emails. And so our strategy right now is We have a bunch of different avenues that we're trying and we're running little experiments with each one. And then we'll look at the progress and the result and see where we want to focus our efforts. And the overall strategy here is that 
we want to balance, you know, high quality emails with a low acquisition cost. So there are some methods that, you know, cost more than others to acquire an email, but maybe they're higher quality and so it's worth that cost. So that's our strategy is just being super experimental with it. We don't want to put all of our eggs in one basket yet until we know what works. So we have a few ideas or a few growth levers that we're working with. So I'll I'll list them off and then we can go into detail. But those are SEO and blog content, paid ads on social media, so Facebook and Instagram ads, running product giveaways, and then newsletter, website sponsorships. And then the last one is a public beta that we're going to be running. So those are all the avenues that we're exploring. And we can go into detail about each of the little experiments that we're running. Yeah. So we're going to try all these different avenues and see what's giving us the the best return with high quality, you know, balancing, as you said, cost versus quality. So let's start with the one that's the highest quality emails we have, and that's with our blog content. Yeah. So what are we what are we doing with that? What are we doing with the blog content and how are we using that to to get people on our mailing list? This is personally my favorite strategy because it costs zero dollars and you get the highest quality email leads. So we love blogging at Astropad. We write about everything. You know, what we've been writing about on our blog lately is our Windows journey. We've been, you know, we have blog posts that are more technical, talking about like the engineering side. And we have blog posts about what it's like to work remote. We blog about everything and then we see what people like and what we get the most traffic on. But in every single blog post, we have an email sign up. And this email sign up has some sort of call to action to sign up for our product waitlist on Windows. Again, it's kind of that FOMO thing where where we're like, get early access for our Windows release. And then we ask them to sign up through the email and, and that saves their spot to try our Windows product. So every single blog post, we have one of these email signups and we have a a site running on WordPress. And so we used a WordPress plugin called Thrive Leads, which lets you customize your email signup form and you can build lots of different versions of it. Yeah. And that's how we've collected up until this point, a majority of our emails. So right now, I check on this every day, like how, <laughs> how big yeah, are, where are we at? <laughs> every day I check in and MailChimp to see where our email list is at. And right now from blog content alone, we have almost 8,000 emails. So we started working on this like a year ago. And then it's really just in like the last few months that we've been seeing more of a pickup because we've been blogging more often and yeah. We, yeah, and we made some changes to our site too that's helped with this. Yeah, and you also have the really slick, I, I also think it's Thrive Leads where there's a banner across the top of the site. Yes. So if you're on any of the pages, there's this banner talking about like, hey, lock in your spot for our, 
for Windows, be one of the first to get Luna Display for Windows, which is the truth too, because there's only so much inventory we're going to have starting out here. We're not going to know how many of these these units to produce right away. So signing up for this list is is your best shot at getting getting one of the first units out of the factory. But yeah, I really like what you've done with that banner. Yeah, the banner is through Thrive Leads. Again, it has like really great customization. And so I put that up on our website maybe like a month ago. And we see about one and a half percent of our website traffic signing up for that banner, which gives them early access to our Windows products. And another incentive for people to sign up for these wait lists is that, you know, in Kickstarter, you offer your earliest units at a discount. So all these people on this list, they're going to get the lowest prices for Luna Display on Windows if they get to our Kickstarter first. So it really is a good deal for them. And yeah, we've found that blog content, that banner on our website, that has been performing really well for us. And it's, it's one of those things, though, that you can't just put one thing up on your website and expect to have a great performance and great conversion from that. It's something that you kind of have to just chip away at for a long time. Like we've been blogging for four years. In the beginning, we really didn't get much traffic and we didn't know what to write about and what people cared about. And we've just been kind of getting better at it over time. And so it's something that you have to you have to put some work into and and just keep keep going at it even if you're not seeing the results that you want right away. Yeah, and another thing too is over a year ago when you'd search for Astropad for Windows, which or Luna Display for Windows, so those are both of our products. This was a search some people were doing out there, and most of the time it would bring you to our community forums. Like that was the top search results now at that time. Now that we've been blogging about our Windows journey, we've been talking about Astropad and Luna Display for Windows. Now, when you search for Astropad for Windows, you know, it brings you to our content talking about gearing up for the Kickstarter and gets you right into, hey, sign up. And I've been noticing a real uptick looking at some of the SEO tools, looking at Google Analytics and the Search Console, real uptick in a number of queries of Astropad for Windows, for example, that's landing on our website. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool to see that it's, it's built like that over time. Yeah. And the other great thing about our blog content that we've been doing is that every piece that we write specifically about Windows, we go around and promote those pieces to our Windows mailing list so that they feel like they are following our journey as we're preparing to launch our products. Like they're getting a a behind the scenes look at all of the work that goes into launching these products. And so we're building that trust with them that I talked about earlier where you know they've they're now familiar with our brand and how we do work and we're giving them content that they're interested in and so hopefully by the time it comes to launch our kickstarter they actually back it and we try to make predictions based on like what percent of each of these groups might convert during our kickstarter it's really hard because we don't we don't know. Like all of this is experimental. Yeah, this is a lot of guessing, educated guessing. Yeah, I mean, with our blog content, like people who have joined our our mailing list through our blogs, I expect a little bit higher of a conversion rate because they've really shown interest. So, I would love to see like three percent, eight percent, somewhere in there. I don't know though. 
That'd be amazing. I can't wait to see what, what we get out of it. Another yeah, thing too is because you're sending the Windows updates on like our, our Windows journey along the way, building for Windows, you'd think to people on the list that aren't very interested would probably unsubscribe. Mm-hmm. So if they've been on there for a while too and coming up to the Kickstarter, you know, our hope is that they're really interested in this and they're they're ready to get their hands on it. Yeah, totally. So we'll have to do like a post Kickstarter episode where we yeah. we share <laughs> we'll, we'll check up on these numbers. <laughs> we share the results of what you know, all of these avenues, but I mean We're just trying everything that we can for now. So the second big thing that we're trying is running paid ads, which we've done. We've run paid ads on social media in the past, but that was when, you know, that was for Luna Display on Mac. So we already had, you know, a product available on Shopify for people to buy immediately. What's different now is that we're running ads and asking people to sign up for our waitlist. So it's a little bit, I mean, it's a little bit harder because there's no like specific thing that they can like get their hands on immediately. That's why we're kind of having this experimental mindset with it. We don't know how it's going to work. Yeah. And we we saw really good results with advertising Lunar Display when it uh, for the Mac last year when we were doing it on Facebook and Instagram. So we're curious to see what we can get now. Although we don't really know what to expect for cost. I mean, I think that's going to be the big question here is if these emails are just too expensive to get through Facebook. Yeah. I mean, I expect that these emails that we acquire through Facebook will be very high quality leads because you know, we're showing someone an ad. It's a pretty targeted ad based on their interests and and all of that. But the fact that they're signing up for a wait list means that they're pretty interested in it. It's just that it's a lot more expensive than just, you know, having them sign up through blog content. Like we're actually paying for them to see these ads. So yeah, we'll have to see what the cost is with this. We literally just started running ads yesterday. So we don't have yeah, any yeah. any clear results. The initial numbers look good, but it's only been a day. So Oh, well, I'm glad. That's the first I've heard about the numbers. They're looking yeah. good. Yeah, they're looking good. We've collected okay. 50 leads so far. All right, so I love we, it. I love it already. <laughs> what we did is we made we made a lookalike audience based on our Windows emailing list that we already have. So those 8,000 emails that we already had, we made a lookalike audience in Facebook and we've collected 50 leads through that in a day. So that's exciting. That That is exciting. That is very exciting. The other thing that is doing these Facebook ads too is also getting us in the right mindset as well for the Kickstarter in terms of getting copy and assets together. You know, because the reality is it's a lot of work to put together Facebook ads and to run Facebook ads. Like to get the creative together, you need to get photography, you need to get videos because videos perform the best generally on Facebook and Instagram. You need to get copy together and then craft ads. And that's a lot of work. But even if we weren't to see huge returns on the Facebook ads, this is stuff we can use going into the Kickstarter, either to advertise for the Kickstarter or just to use as, as Kickstarter art and copy assets as well. Yeah, totally. And so yeah, creative assets, that's kind of a bottleneck with, you know, running ads because you always want fresh like videos and and images. 
But something that I find encouraging is that I believe that you don't need super polished assets for an ad. A lot of times what we've seen in the past is that user-generated content works really well for ads. Like people, it's almost like if your content is too polished, people won't believe it's real. But if it looks a little more like there's a human touch there, people will believe that it's a real product that people are enjoying. And so back when we were running ads, we collected a bunch of user-generated content of people using Luna Display on Mac. So people would post pictures of their Luna workspace and we would ask them for permission, you know, sign contracts with them to use those in our paid ads. And now we're turning around and those are assets that we can use in paid ads now. We can use them on our Kickstarter page, you know, talking about like all of the happy Mac users that we have. So it doesn't have to be super polished and fancy. And as you were saying, in in many ways, it's better. One thing I suspect about user-generated content is if it's super, super polished and it's in your, say, Instagram feed or it's in, you know, your Facebook feed, right away you you see it and it sticks out from everything else in your timeline. And you're like, oh, that's an ad. I'm going to skip it. Versus if it's not clear at first, if it's an ad, you start to kind of investigate it. Oh, what is this? Is this, you know? And then it pulls you in. You, you start you start to look at it, you know, because all of us have gotten really good at avoiding ads on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so totally. That, that's one of my suspicions why user generated content works works pretty well. It it kind of hooks you in. Yeah, and another thing with getting ready for running these paid ads is that. Instead of spending a bunch of money on a big photo, like a big product photo shoot for these ads, we are taking the approach of doing like smaller photo shoots because really we don't know what kind of photos are going to perform the best for these ads. And so if we do smaller photo shoots, then we can run some tests, see what people are reacting to, and then we can go back and, you know, shoot more content that seems to work well for us. And we've been using this, or we did use this service called Suna. Matt, do you want to talk about Suna? Yeah, Suna's been great so far. They make it really easy to get e-commerce type photography and videos done. And in the past, we've done these much more expensive shoots. And there's a lot of pressure to get everything right. But the reality is, is it's hard to get everything right the first time. You know, you notice stuff after in post-processing that you're like, oh, I, you know, shouldn't have used that stand or that's not the right color iPad or, you know, there's many things you notice after the fact. And previously we'd spend all this money on a shoot and we'd be like, well, I guess we got to live with what we got because it's too expensive to go back again. But now Suna's made it really easy to do smaller shoots, have a more iterative approach. So, you know, I went there work with them to get some videos and photos taken of our Windows products, you know, in this currently in the prototype phase, but still looked really great. And then, okay, we noticed some things we could do better, but now it's easy for us to go back and and do it all over again. And it's not crazy expensive. It's really approachable and easy to do. So I've been I've been really impressed with Suna. They're actually a startup here in the Minneapolis area where a lot of us base out of out of mm-hmm. the company. Yeah, I think they have like a studio in Denver too. Yeah, Denver, Minneapolis, and I think they're opening up 
elsewhere as well so but it but it's been it's been really good for what we need and the cool thing too is i guess you can like remotely join the studio session with them right so like if i if i wanted to like get on a call and kind of see what's going on during the photo shoot and like give feedback i i could do that right yeah totally that's really cool so when i was there i went in to help with the shoot because our products are prototype right now and you have to jump through a couple hoops because well they're they're not done yet so i was there to get stuff up and running and we had this you know wearing masks social distanced in the studio doing the shoot but yeah there was somebody else there too also doing doing another shoot and they had somebody connected remotely viewing the photos and videos as they were popping out and and sending you know instructions to the photographer like can you tweak this can you try this angle so really cool and Something we want to try to because we're a remote team, like a bunch of the marketing team is in LA. And so it'd be great to have folks in LA tune in for the shoot and and help help direct too next time we do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, again, I just want to reiterate that like you don't need to do a really expensive shoot, get perfect photos to start running paid ads. Like, you know, even if you just want to take photos like at home of your products, we've done that before, like taking our own photos on the marketing team. You just don't know what is going to work and perform well until you start putting stuff out there. And the last thing I'll note about paid ads is that we outsource this to an agency because we are not paid ads experts. And we also have a lot of stuff to do. So we just don't have time to run paid ads. But this is one of those things where Facebook ads can get sort of complicated. And we wanted to leave this up to the experts to manage. So we're working with an agency to help us run those. And we're still very involved. But they kind of get into the weeds with all the technical details of the ads. Yeah, the Facebook dashboard can really be a you know jumbo jet seven forty seven type <laughs> instrument panel where there's a lot of stuff to adjust. So yeah, yeah, we leave it to the pros and focus on what we're good at. Yeah. So moving on to giveaways, we should talk about that. That's a new area for us. So yeah. Tell us what we're what we're trying there. Yeah, this is one of those very experimental ideas. So we came up with this idea that like, what if we gave away a PC laptop on like, what if we partnered with a tech site and gave away a PC laptop through some sort of contest where people signed up to enter to win this laptop. So we decided to try that and see see what would work. So the first step that we did here is we actually, we weren't quite sure where we wanted to run this giveaway. And so we sent an email survey out to our existing email list, the one that we had built through all of our blog content and SEO. So that those 8,000 people, we sent a survey out to them and we asked them like, what kind of podcast do you listen to? And what kind of, you know, tech influencers and websites do you go to to get Windows news? And we looked at those answers and and we settled on a site called Windows Central that does a lot of like tech reviews and they're all Windows PC based. So we set up a giveaway with Windows Central and it's open for a month where you know, we're featured on their site. Luna displays giving away a PC laptop. And we're seeing how many emails that we collect. And 
these emails I would classify as like lower quality leads because these people haven't expressed specific interest in our product, Luna Display, but they've expressed interest in Windows. You know, these are early adopter Windows people because, you know, they're reading these articles on the site like they are definitely the early adopter crowd, which is a good fit for Kickstarter and especially a hardware product on Kickstarter. So yeah, we just started the giveaway last week. It costs, I think, $5,000 plus the cost of the laptop. Yeah, so we started the giveaway last week. I think we've collected like 4,000 emails so far. Yeah. And then what we'll do with these emails is we'll kind of start nurturing them like what I was talking about earlier where we'll send them blog content and see what they're interested in and you know it'll kind of narrow it down to the more high quality likely to convert emails yeah and the other aspect of this too that you know cuz we do realize that yeah we're giving away a PC and yeah a lot of people are going to sign up right away and unsubscribe because they're they're interested in the PC they're not necessarily interested in our products but we're hoping enough of them are going to be interested to make this worthwhile. And even if they don't want to go out and immediately back our Kickstarter, buy Luna Display or Astropad for Windows when it's when it's available and general availability, these, as you said, are the early adopters who are going to tell others about it. They're probably like the, the tech advisors to friends and family as well, that when they're like, hey, what kind of new computer should I get? Or I have this problem. How can I fix it? These are the kind of people that often get those asked those questions. And so if they're aware of our products, then they can hopefully tell friends and family about it in the future too. So that's kind of the halo effect as well from this that we're not going to be able to measure. We're going to have no idea, but we suspect it's going to help because we're tapping into the Windows market for the first time. The Mac community, a lot of early adopter types in the Mac community know us, know our name, but we're starting fresh from the Windows community. And this is this is one way for us to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with this giveaway, we don't really know what's going to happen. It's running for a month and we'll see at the end of it if it was worth it. You know, looking at the cost per email that's acquired and, and seeing how high quality that email is. But we'll keep you updated because I'm... I'm curious to see how this one turns out. And if it works well, maybe we'll run more giveaways. But a similar avenue that we'd like to explore is like newsletter and website sponsorships. We haven't set anything like that up yet. And I think the hard thing right now is that there, besides joining a wait list for our products, there's not really a clear call to action. You know, it's not like you can buy our product for Windows right now. And so I've been a little bit hesitant to explore that avenue, but it's something that I'm interested in. And I can see that, you know, playing a big part once our Kickstarter is live, or, you know, maybe ahead of our Kickstarter, we'll go back to that survey that we did, where we asked people, you know, what websites and influencers they go to. And maybe we'll see if there's there's a good partnership that we can set up with one of those websites or something. So we'll see. That's another one of those avenues that we have out there, but we just haven't put any effort into yet. Yeah. And so that brings us to the last one, but certainly not the least, which is the Astropad public beta, which we should talk about. Mm -hmm. So what are you hoping to do with Astropad public beta? Yeah. Well, last, I think it was like earlier this year, 
I kind of had this freak out moment where I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to do a Kickstarter, but how are we going to get new Windows emails. I was like, what? How, where are they going to come from? Like, I don't know how to come up with 30,000 emails like in this short time period. And then I was thinking back about our last Kickstarter and what worked well. And what worked well was going to our existing customers and asking them to back our Kickstarter. And so right now we're in this process of bringing all of our products over to the Windows platform. So not just Luna, but also our software product Astropad. And I think we we were thinking like, what if we launched a public beta for Astropad, our drawing software, ahead of our Kickstarter to get emails specifically for our Kickstarter? So, you know, the kind of people who are going to be using the Astropad beta are Windows users because the beta is for Windows and they're going to be artists most likely, but we know that Astropad and Luna Display work really great as products together. So, so yeah, we decided to kind of flip around our development timeline and instead of launching our Kickstarter first, we decided that we're going to launch our public beta first. And hopefully from a free public beta, we can get some press for it since, you know, it's a big deal that we're bringing our our drawing software to Windows. And since it's a free beta, we're hoping that the barrier to entry will be really low for people. So a lot of people will be willing to try it and in turn will get their email through their sign up. Yeah, definitely. And so not only is it going to be a good marketing vehicle for us to get the Astropad public beta out there, but on the technology side, we found that this was going to be a good strategy too. And that's because this is the first time we're running our liquid tech that powers both Astropad and Luna Display on Windows. And so we've been spending over the past year now working on porting it so it works on both Mac and Windows, but we haven't run it in production yet. And so that's a bit scary as well for the engineering team to go from Kickstarter to immediately delivering that Kickstarter and then everything having to work 100%. Because people have pretty high expectations when a Kickstarter is fulfilled, they open up that box and they expect everything to work. So if things don't work right, people are gonna be very disappointed. And that was something we paid very close attention to last time around with our first Kickstarter. We weren't perfect, but we did a pretty dang good job at it. And by having a public beta out there, first, before we officially ship our products, the final versions of of our products, that allows us to test out our technology as well. And people going into it know it's a beta as well. So folks that that are signing up for it are more willing to deal with bugs, provide feedback, and just, just help us test things out. You know, they're willing to do that to get the early access. So not only is it going to be an amazing vehicle for the marketing team to generate buzz about our Kickstarter, but it's going to be awesome to, to do kind of a soft launch of our, of our technology as well and our software and kind of, kind of bang on things and, and make sure everything's holding up well. Yeah. So we don't know how many emails that will collect from this free public beta that's one of those other things where we'll just kind of have to wait yeah. and see. But I, I would expect that the emails that we get 
will convert pretty similarly to what our conversion rate was like in our last Kickstarter. So we saw almost 2% conversion rate. So I would expect it to be pretty similar. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we'll have to see. Maybe a little bit higher because the list will be newer versus when we went around the first Kickstarter. Some some people on that list have been on it for quite some time. And list kind of the email list too kind of decay over time where the more emails you send, the longer people are on the list, typically the less engaged they get mm-hmm. as well. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. We'll keep you updated though. We'll do a future episode too and kind of run down what worked, what didn't work, the numbers we got. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. So we're looking at launching our Kickstarter in the next couple of months. I'm definitely feeling the crunch time right now because we're focused now on like paid ads and still growing our mailing list and we'll have the public beta soon. But we're also starting to think about our Kickstarter page. You know, we have to put together all the copy, all of the photos, and we got to shoot a Kickstarter video. It doesn't really help that it's pandemic times right now. Yeah, so we can't, yeah. we can't make get it together. extra difficult. Yeah, we can't get together like we normally would. But I mean, I'm saying all of this because you shouldn't save your mailing list for the last minute. Like this is something that you should be thinking about a year ahead of your Kickstarter because there are no shortcuts for this. Like there are no shortcuts to get high quality email leads. You got to put in the work and whether that's like blog content or paid ads, like you got to try things and see what works. You just can't cheat it. You know, I mean, sure you could go out and like buy an email list, but is that going to be high quality? Probably not. So there really are no shortcuts. Yeah. And again, we talked about the email list allows you to build that momentum. And a momentum early on in your Kickstarter is what's going to attract other people on the Kickstarter platform. It's going to help Kickstarter notice you as well. So you're more likely to be featured as well. If they see that your product, your project is trending and it's quickly gaining backers, and with the press too, if you can go to the press and be like, hey, we just fulfilled our goal in two hours or a day or whatever it may be, you know, that's a lot more attractive than going to the press with a, a Kickstarter project that, you know, is nowhere 5% completed, right, towards the goal. So that's all areas where, where the mailing list is key. Totally, totally. Yeah, the press isn't going to write about your Kickstarter if there's no traction on it. And you can't go to them and ask them to cover it in order to get traction. Like you have to get traction from somewhere else. And we believe that the best way to do that is with your mailing list. So one final question for you. So we've talked a lot about how we're using paid ads. We're doing paid sponsorships. We're utilizing a pretty large existing mailing list. We're utilizing existing products we have. We have a lot going for us already because we've been around for a while. What would be your suggestion to somebody that wants to do a Kickstarter and they're starting from nothing? They have don't have an audience. They don't have a product yet. They're bootstrapping from nothing, which we did at one point too, but that was back that was years ago at this point. And we've been at it for many years. That's why we have these things now, the budgets and the mailing lists and these things. Going back to starting from nothing, what would you suggest somebody does? And they, and they don't have a huge budget for this. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And 
I I mean, first I would say don't rush to your Kickstarter. Put in some time to build a little bit of an audience, you know, on your website, whether that's through blog content, maybe you have a podcast of your own and you're just talking or you just need to build an audience and use that audience as the momentum for your Kickstarter. So if I was starting out from scratch, you know, I would have my website, I would be testing things on my website all the time. Like what kind of blog content are people actually reading on your website? What kind of messaging, product messaging resonates with them? There's no harm in putting email signups all over your website. Like it's it, sure if it's like popping up in your face on the website like every five seconds, that's going to get annoying. But like a tasteful banner on top of your site, that's not getting in anyone's way. Or an email sign up at the end of your blog post, there's no harm in that. And again, it's not something that you can just do and expect great returns on overnight. You have to be consistent with that with this kind of stuff. Maybe you're writing a blog post every single week on your website and you know sharing that on your social media and sharing it with friends and just kind of getting the momentum going. And on top of that, participating in communities that are relevant to your Kickstarter, you know, finding communities online, participating, genuinely participating, not just going in there and like, oh, here's my stuff, check out my blog post, right? But sharing it and getting connected to other other folks in the same community that are relevant. And that that can be a way to build initial traction for for a blog. And of those many posts you've done, if you find some are generating more interest, double down on it and do like a super comprehensive one. Do something like amazing with it if you find a topic that's really resonating with your audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with communities too, maybe that means if you have some demo units of your product, like you're you're giving those out for free to get feedback on that. And so those people within their communities are are sharing that product experience with people in their community, almost like word of mouth, but you have to get some feedback on your product before you launch it on Kickstarter. And so giving out demo units is a great way to do that. And another way is going to like influencers. Like if you, you know, get in touch with like YouTube reviewers who review the kind of products that you're trying to launch. That could be a really great way to get some traction too. And then the last thing too is identifying partners that might align really well with the product that you're launching. So, you know, look for other companies out there that might cater to a similar audience and see if you can get in touch with them and set up some sort of, you know, trade. Like maybe you sponsor their mailing list or maybe, yeah, something like that. There are all sorts of ways that you can get involved. And at the very least, learning from them, you know, learning about their customers and how they reach them. Yeah, I think you just have to get to know people within your space and get to know the the audience that you're going to be serving and catering to. Yeah, and I would say be bold too, because especially, you know, journalists and bloggers and YouTube reviewers, you know, they're looking for new, fresh ideas too. You know, people want to write about the spectacle. They want to do a video on stuff that's really interesting too. So don't be don't be afraid to 
have kind of an edge to what you're doing that that might be what you need to attract that initial audience. Yeah. Matt, maybe you should end this episode with a book recommendation because I know you have lots of marketing recommendations, book recommendations. So do you have yeah, anything that comes yeah. to mind? Yeah, I'm always I'm always ready with a book recommendation. Well, so a lot of this is marketing related. You know, we've been talking a lot about marketing. So my go-to book for like tactical marketing stuff is Traction. I think it's by Weinberg. Let's see what's up there. Gabe Gabriel Weinberg. I'll link to it. But there's multiple Traction books, but Traction is a great one. Talks about testing out different channels and then doubling down on the one that's effective, which is much like what we're doing here. And another one that I think is really helpful in figuring out what's your edge, what's your differentiates you from everybody else in the space and gets you thinking about that is 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing, which talks a lot about positioning and how important it is to set yourself apart from, from competitors. That one really, really blew my mind. And I always tell everybody that's interested in marketing who hasn't read it, like you have to read 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. Yeah, that's a good one. I go back to that one every, probably like every six months, I'll flip through it because it's, there's always something relevant in there for you. Yeah, yeah, man. We could do an episode just on 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. (laughs) I I love that book. So definitely check that out. I don't know. Do you you have any, Savannah? That that was going to be the one. That was going to be the one. Yeah, Yeah. but we should make this a regular part of the podcast. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love that idea because I'm totally a book nerd. And those two pair well together because 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing is really like strategy. It's a very high level. It's not telling you to go do Google AdWords and you know Facebook ads and blogging. No, none of that. It's very high level talking about positioning versus traction is much more tactical with very specific things you can try. Mm-hmm. So yeah, great question though, Savannah. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, well, that about wraps things up here. But yeah, no, that was great. Yeah, stay tuned. We'll we'll follow up with the, with the results of all of these little experiments. Yeah, first of many episodes. Yes. On Kickstarter. We definitely have Kickstarter in the brain. Well, until next time, take care now.